Let's pray. Father, you've uh, given us a clear message this morning through the music, through the words you've given brothers and sisters in the body. You've given us something very special. And may these moments that I have the opportunity, the privilege to share, that it'll just be part of all that you're pulling us together to do is to worship you, glorify you, and and make you central in our lives. And so now we just pray. Let your spirit reign in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. To those who fall asleep, I will not throw an eraser at you. (laughs) Uh, Someone was joking about that before, so I thought I'd uh, get that across right away. But uh, let me say, it's I'm so thankful that you all are here. I'm so thankful that I see brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, children, infants. Each one of you is precious to the Lord God. And I'm so thankful that you've chosen to come here and be part of this body to worship today. Uh, There's something very special about the way God works when... The body is together when people are together, when when believers are together. You just know something special is going to happen. And I think that's one of the things that God wants us to do. Look forward to in expectation to that when you're together, something is, is God's going to do something with us. Today, I want to get into a subject, I think, that's really precious, uh, precious to God and precious to us because it was his gift to us. It's got to do with the Lord's Supper. What is it all about? What is the Lord's Supper really all about? Um, but I want to start by, in a different way, uh, two psychiatrists are walking down the hall. <laughs> it takes two psychiatrists. Two psychiatrists are walking down the hall and they pass each other and they say, Good morning. And uh, as they pass each other, they think, I wonder what he meant by that. <laughs> Two politicians are walking down the hall from, <laughs> from opposite parties. And, uh, hey, good morning. How are you? I hope your day's going to go well. And as you pass by, I hate that guy. Um, Two lawyers. No, we won't bring the lawyers into it. <laughs> no, save Dennis from that. And uh, uh, But anyway, uh, you think about these two opposites, the way people are and, and, and what they do. And, and what is the immediate thought that comes to your head? It's, it's a surface thing. It's a world thing, isn't it? It's a world judgment. Well, that's how the world was like when Jesus came into it. It was people passing each other and making superficial judgments based on their bloodline, their ethnic background, their appearance, their power, their status, and all that kind of thing. Jesus comes into the picture and something entirely different happens. Jesus brings this dimension, and I think this is what we, why we're here. 
he thinks spiritually before anything else in the world takes place around him. He's thinking the way the Holy Spirit gets him to think. He thinks about his father. He wants to give glory to his father. So what does he do? Every next moment, he is giving glory to his father. He's, he's saying, uh, you know, what I've got to do is I've got to do the will of my father. And this is his conscious, practiced, organized stability in, in his humanity. And that's what he's calling us to. That's the big gift he's giving us is to be able to think spiritually in order to act spiritually. Isn't that powerful? You heard it this morning. You heard people thinking, praying spiritually, and we're here in the middle of this, this spiritual experience, and, and God's getting us to look at one another and think of one another in a different way. What does that take? It takes... It takes a cross, doesn't it? Jesus lived thinking spiritually all the time. In fact, when he died, he died spiritually in his head. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. There wasn't a moment that Jesus' mind was not spiritually attuned, which is why he was so able to walk and do what he did. You heard that sermon last week. That magnificent sermon from the missionary in Belfast. This guy had his feet on the ground because he had his head in the spirit. And I remarked to him after he left, uh, while he was still here in the back after he finished the service. He was, remember, he was mentioning how uh, he was able to get behind the walls in Belfast where the Protestants live on one side and the Catholics on the other, and he's able to go around and, and really talk to both sides. And I said, you know, and we're talking about that after, and I said, uh, well, you know, that reminds me. Jesus could walk through walls, couldn't he? He walked through the door when the disciples were scared to death. And they were probably going to start getting hostile with one another. Well, you did this, and they were going to blame each other for all that was stuff that was going. And Jesus walks through the door, and he walks through the walls, and the door is locked for fear of the Jews, it says. So fear locks up our hearts, doesn't it? And Jesus walks through the walls of our hearts, the walls we've let the world build up in us. They call them strongholds, but... It's the attitude of the heart, isn't it? It's the attitude of the heart. And this is why this morning I thought, gosh, what is the thing that we do when we get together? We celebrate something that Jesus gave us as an incredible gift. It's a very personal gift. It's a relational gift. But most importantly, it's a spiritual gift. It's the Lord's Supper. Now, We've called it different names over the centuries, the Mass, the Holy Eucharist, the Holy Communion. Um, and I kind of lean, now I may be a heretic here, but I kind of lean toward the Lord's Supper because it's His Supper, isn't it? And it was His gift to us. And He wants us to, to, to think spiritually when we are involved in this experience. But I, I'd, like to, I'd like to look at this a little bit more closely. And if any of you got Bibles, I would be glad for you to turn them to Luke 22. 
and start with uh, verse 10, Luke 22:10. This is where the Lord, toward the end of his life, very close to the end of his life, institutes, gives us his supper. Um, now, notice what he's saying is this is going to be the Passover time. Okay, it's the Passover time. The Passover is a special meal. What it does is it reminds people of the past, of their deliverance from Egypt, of their deliverance from slavery. In the intense centuries, they were enslaved to another country. But now Jesus is bringing his disciples together. Now, read what this thing says. As you enter the city, see, he's being ready to prepare. He's, he wants preparation for, for the... Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover, he says. Well, what do you want us to pray, prepare for? And he, he says, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Thinking spiritually now, think spiritually about this passage. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large upper room, all furnished. Make preparations there. As you enter the city, it's interesting. As you enter the city, okay, what city are we entering? Think spiritually now. We're entering the body of Christ. We're entering the body of Christ. We're coming together. We're gathering. And uh, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Well, what's so significant about a jar of water? I mean, what do you mean? Why didn't he just say the guy is going to prepare the room for you and we'll leave it at that? No, no, no. He's kind of detailed here. You want to get the details of what's happening here. Follow him to the house that he enters. Well, he's carrying a jar of water. What do we do when we enter? How do we enter the body? How do we become disciples of Jesus? What's the first thing that happens? Baptism. He's preparing us for something special. Baptism is the beginning of our spiritual life. It's the beginning of how we think spiritually. It's the beginning of how we see everything in a spiritual context. When I look out here... Well, I see Dennis and Catherine, I see Bob, and I see all of y'all out there. And But you're more than what you look like. You were created as an image of God. You are an image of God. And that's the first thing Jesus really is getting us to, to focus on, that everyone we see is an image of God. Now, whether they believe in God or not, it's not the issue. But everyone is an image of God, therefore, they are They are the object of our attention, our prayer, and our expectant invitation. We want them to come to dinner with us. We want them to share what we've got when we're together. We want them to have what we have. Tell me you don't want that. Tell me you're not hungry to see people come to know the Lord and feed on Him. I am the bread of life, he says. Huh. He says, uh, right now, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Now, remember, when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the Passover. 
And what's the Passover all about again? It's being lifted out of slavery to the world and brought into obedience to God. The love of God. The grace of God. Obedience is not a bad word. It's a good word. And it's a joyful word. And when you understand, when you obey, you're full of the grace and the love and the care and the kindness of God. You're full of the truth of God. Then... And then is when we live as disciples and we're consciously, spiritually involved in the world. Because an image of everyone is what? We are not, you know, when we come to Jesus, my favorite mantra, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So what do we do with our human experience spiritually? And when we gather on Sunday, we come in here to the table of the Lord. We come and we kneel at the communion rail. What's happening there? What's really happening there? And I think, you know, hearts have to be open to this. Hearts need to be spiritually attuned. Now, we'll talk about that in a while. So you make the preparations. What are you preparing before you get here, I don't know. I mean, we've got all kinds of things going on in our lives. You know, your life, you've got things going on in your life. Can you lift them for a few moments and say, Lord, this is what I'm bringing. This is what I'm bringing amongst you here today. This is what I'm bringing. I'm, I'm bringing all kinds of things. James and the kids, are, they're bringing back their experience from, from overseas, from mission work. Some of us are bringing in addictions. Some of us are bringing in sins. Some of us are bringing in relational upsets. Some of us are bringing up brokenness. We're all coming together to think spiritually and to be spiritual people together under the cover of a loving Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't we sing that before? Isn't that what we sang about? The love of God who embraces us. And when we accept Jesus Christ, that's when love breaks out. That's when the guy with the water pot has done his job. Well, he's done his job, right? Done the baptism. Now, he's saying it's time to get together. And when, and when you get together, there's something going to happen after to which you're to look forward. I think it's just kind of exciting. So now, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles were still in Luke I know if you're with me in Bible study, sometime we jump around. You say, where are you anyway? Well, we're back in Luke here. Luke, and uh, when the hour came, when, verse 14 now, I believe. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, now notice there are really five things that happen here. He takes the cup. He wants them to see the cup. Because he's going to say this. He's going to mention it twice. He's going to mention the cup. First of all, he's he's taking the cup. And he gives thanks. And he says, take this 
and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God. It seems that Jesus has sipped this cup and he's ta- because he's demonstrating something spiritual to them. Because what he's doing is, I won't have this again, but this is my gift to you to continue. And there's a reason for it. And we'll get into the specifics of it here. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink. I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And when the kingdom of God comes, he will be supping with us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And whoever opens the door, I will enter and I'll have supper with him. And we'll drink the cup together. I mean, this is the exciting thing that's going to be in eternity. Okay, now, watch this. There's a fourfold act that happens right here after he shows them the cup. Because he'll explain the cup in one second. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them. Four things happen here. He takes the bread, he gives thanks... Okay, he breaks it and then he distributes it. Now, lots of times when people come to communion, you know, they we stand in line, we take the bread and something happens inside. We know that we're there and and whatever happens. But there's something really provocative about this, this, this action that we go through here. And, And you notice how specific Jesus is about what he's doing here. He's demonstrating something physical because there's a spiritual meaning behind it. He takes the bread and he gives the, gives the thanks to God. And then he breaks it. He says, this is my body which is given for you. And then he distributes it. He shares it. He shares his broken body with them. Now, these four things that happen. Now, I just say this because I think this is where it really, where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. This isn't just to be a memorial meal, remembering Jesus who rose from the dead, died on the cross, rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. Yes, that's. That's central in our faith and our belief. But it's why he did it. It's this, why was he so specific? Because he wants to embrace those four actions and say, this is your new lifestyle. This is your lifestyle. You take your body, who you are, your heart, your soul, your mind, your image of God, the image of God in you that's been born again, and you take it. And you give thanks for it. It doesn't make any difference what condition it's in, how much you know, or what the world thinks you ought to be, what your status is. No, 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 no. You are made a complete whole person to be a servant of God and to to take yourself and give thanks for all that you are and have in your life. And it doesn't make any difference if you're on a crutch, a walker, or you're just a kid with a with a, a little thing that you suck on in your mouth and you're held as an infant 
Aren't we all really infants in the kingdom of God? Unless you receive the kingdom of heaven like a little child, you can't enter it. Wow. But you take yourself and you give thanks. What has God done in your life? It's your testimony. All the bad stuff that's happened to you. And, and when you came to a crisis and you say, oh, God, I give up. In fact, I, I don't even know if you're there. And then God makes himself known to you in some way. And it could probably a little way. Sometimes it's a big way. And then what happens? It's just giving and thanking him. It's not you don't thank him for a problem or a crisis. You thank him in the midst of it for being God and that he loves you and cares for you and he will use this as your testimony that you will give. Yesterday, uh, no, it was a couple of days ago, I went over to the Walmart right across the street. Okay? And I'm in the line going to get out and I just had one thing that I had to buy. Well, the gal in front of me was had a loaded basket. She says, just go ahead. I, I got a bunch of stuff. You can go on ahead. And I said, hmm, you know. Well, we got in a conversation with the line behind us. <laughs> Turns out she went to a church that we know fairly well down the road. And said, oh, I was just getting some stuff for church. I said, where are you going? And we got to talking about faith. And uh, next thing you know, uh, she says, she said, uh, well, I, I've been to the church across the street there, to All, All Souls. I've been there years ago. And, uh, and uh, she said, I knew this guy, Whitey Hogan. He was supposed to. And, and I'm thinking, she doesn't know me very well, but, uh, or else I've really gotten older. Uh, but, but, but anyway, she said, uh, and so I let her talk, you know, and say, I really love that place over. It was really nice. And I said, well, I'm that person. You know that feeling? Well, right there is a tremendous moment. I said, well, you got to come. She said, I'm coming one Sunday. I will be there. I, I really believe her. She's going to be here. Now, she goes to a place that would not be known as an evangelical bastion. Just the opposite, in fact. And uh, But it's okay. That's what I'm saying is, give thanks and something's going to happen. Be conscious, spiritually alert, and something's going to happen. Be spiritually thinking of the situation you're in. Thank you, Lord. Take what you've been given. Thank the Lord for it. And then break the attitude that you had when you were in the line. Now, well, I don't talk to people in line. They don't care anything about me. I don't care anything. You know the attitude that we have when we associate with people in public places and all this kind of thing? There may be that moment that you have to be broken. Let God break us where we are, anytime, place. If we're thinking spiritually, He will break us. And He'll give us the love and the concentration, the grace that He has that we just kind of flow into the moment. That's what he wants us to do, so flow into the moment. And what do we do? We just share what's broken in us. We share the spirit that comes through our brokenness. 
Do you see what I'm saying? This is a lifestyle, folks. This isn't just a kind of a nice liturgical meal that good people do on Sunday and then we go home and say, wasn't that a great service? Oh, boy, I've been good today. Thank you, Lord, for making me a good person. That's not it. This is the challenge to, to live a lifestyle of taking yourself giving thanks for everything you've got in you, your emotions, all the stuff that you have, the gifts that God has given you to think, to feel, to, to talk, to speak, to act, to give, and to let it, just let it be broken and let it be given away. But I've got to be broken first, don't I? I've got my attitude, my heart has to be broken first. You see what I mean by a lifestyle? Jesus was very specific. He gave us four actions. Take, thank, break, share. Now we're talking about what communion really means. The Lord's Supper is a lifestyle. And what does he say? Do this, what? In remembrance of who? Me. Remembrance of me, says Jesus. Remembrance of me. And when we remember Jesus, things change. We think Spiritually. And then, how does Jesus feed? (laughs) If you take these stones, make bread out of them, the devil said. Uh Uh-uh. Man does not live on bread alone. He lives on what? The Word of God. That's our bread. He's our bread. He is the living bread. And every time we get into the Word, that's the bread he used. He learned his Father's will in that bread. And he did his father. That was his. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And Jesus wanted to demonstrate it so much to say this is a lifestyle that the next day he goes to the cross and he dies saying, this is the lifestyle I'm giving you. And I'm not going to drink this wine, but you will. And one of the disciples before this, long before this, said, uh, <laughs> Kind of sarcastically, Jesus says, Are you, gonna, you think you can drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized? No way. There's no way. I, I alone can bear the cup of wrath against sin. Jeremiah tells us about it. He bears the cup of wrath in our place. In our place, he took the wrath of God on the cross. The wrath against sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. And that simply means to be right. To be right with God and to be right within ourselves and to be right with one another. It's Jesus who makes that possible. And when we allow ourselves to be broken, our attitude, our heart, our mind, whatever thinking we do when we allow the Word to come in, let the Spirit operate through the Word and... We take, give thanks, break, and share. It's a lifestyle, folks. This is not just, again, a liturgical meal that we, we feel good about. This is, this is calling us to come to the altar and give it all to Him. Lay it down there before Him day by day and the things that really are going on in our lives. Do you all grasp what I'm saying about this lifestyle thing? This is, this is what struck me because I've come out of that past where you've got to be liturgically correct. The candles have got to be straight on the altar. 
Every, we should have known the first day we started All Souls in the, in the, in the building. And Bishop Howe was here to preach. And I'll tell you, we had boxes in the back and got the seats out over there and, and, and everything going in the steel building. They used to call Whitey's Fish Camp. They, and, 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 and I'll tell you, we, it was a great service. Bishop Howe was great. We had a couple of people receive Christ that morning. And at the end of the service, we had pictures, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Well, guess what? Liturgical correctness, the whole service, if, if they had to judge a service that was liturgically correct, we'd have failed. And no one would have ever been faithful again. What happened? We got a picture. And, the, you know, you see these two candles up here? No one ever lit them. They were blank the whole service. Oh my gosh, if the candle's not there, the light of Christ is gone and nobody gets anything. Well, wait a minute. It's not about that. This is, this is all we're given. These are gifts we're given to enjoy the presence of the Lord and learn what a lifestyle is that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a reminder. This is a remembrance, not only of what he did, but all of the, all of the parables he teaches, all the teachings he gives. That's all what, what he has laid out for us as a lifestyle. And, and the Lord's Supper is a gentle, beautiful, peaceful reminder that when I put my knees down on this, at this communion rail, I'm just giving him everything from the depth of my heart, from the tip of my head to my toes. And does that mean I'm perfect? But but he is. I'm not, but he is. And that's what we count on. I'm not justified because I believe. I'm justified because he has given me the faith to believe in him. Isn't that great? So take it, give thanks, break it, and share it. Amen.